Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, hi, everybody. Lisa Tarmati here at Pushing the Limits. Fantastic to have you back again. I really appreciate your loyalty checking in on the show every week. Today, we've got a little something special for you. I've got actually one of our athletes at Running Hot Coaching has agreed to come on and share his story. So it's a little bit of a, a debrief, a little bit of a coaching call. Um, hopefully, you guys will pick up some gems of wisdom. He's going to share his uh, insights um, and uh, the journey that he went on to get to 100K, which was his ultimate race recently. So welcome to the show, Matt Scrafton. Matt, how are you? Morning. I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. So Matt is sitting in Wellington. You got a sunny day down there? Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's, there's no wind for once. So yeah, really nice. <laughs> That's unusual. Um, so Matt, uh, let's start back at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come yep. from, and um, then we'll get into the running side of it. Alrighty. Um, so I'm British um, and I've been, I moved to New Zealand in 2005, where I met my now wife. Um, so I grew up in, in the UK in a place called Brighton by the sea. And uh, we live in the mighty Waikato in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And we've been all over the place, you know, Auckland, Wellington, Melbourne, but Cambridge is home. And so my wife and I have um, a baby girl, Darcy is four. And we have a crazy eight month old uh, poodle, oh, Daisy. Nice. So life is pretty full. But yeah, no, I've been, um, I found running probably about six or seven years ago. Um, I've been doing endurance sports or multi-sports probably longer. Um, but as time went on, it got harder to balance all three disciplines. And then um, I decided that I really wanted to do something that had an endurance element to it. And trail running or running was the easiest, you know, put on your shoes, get out the door and go. So, um, yeah, so I, I got into sort of um, trail running proper about six or seven years ago and set myself the goal as I kind of, do with with life of, of running a 50 yeah and um we were living in melbourne at the time and the north face um 50 um was uh, a, an annual event in may of each year around um, the blue mountains it's just outside of sydney yeah it's a gorgeous race yeah and um so i spent probably about a year building up for that um with a few feeder events um but the big goal um of running the 50 um yeah and did that eight hours 39 and um that was really tough it was mm. quite a quite a hard race but yeah i was surprised that um what i now understand to be that mental state that you that's so important to an athlete um that went that race went really well mentally for me mm-hmm. um so i thought yep this is definitely not a one-off so um a couple of months later darcy arrived and, and life changed so um it took a while <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it took a while to find that that rhythm we moved back to new zealand and um I then locked in the Tarawira um, this year, actually 2019, and so spent about you know another year building up for that. Um, but I was in the kind 50K, of the 50K. yeah. So doing the um, doing the 50, I did have um, I guess aspirations to run further, but my wife said, no, no, get another 50 under your belt before yeah. you before you go further. Um, and you know that it definitely wasn't a one-off. Um, so yeah, spent about a year building up. Um, for the 50 and and did that in um i think it's february of this year mm-hmm. so came home in about seven hours and yeah it was just a really hot day and um 
I thought there's no way I'm running another ultra in the middle of summer. It's just crazy times, <laughs> um, which probably discounts the marathon de Sable, but there we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it was, it was um, a pretty cool race, uh, fantastic atmosphere and um, some really great support um, crew and aid station folk that rock up and make it a really memorable day. Um, and then I woke up, I got home, woke up the next day and I had this, this kind of overwhelming feeling that um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a sense of mission accomplished. I'd done that, but there was more and um, I didn't quite know what it looked like. So before everyone else got up, I was looking online for big events and or things to do, you know, huge running goals to chase and Talpo was on in October. So it was on, almost, let's, let's yeah. back up a little bit. Um, so you ran 50Ks yeah. in the heat in summer, seven hours something. Yeah. And the tank wasn't empty the next day. Like most people get to the finish line in any race and go, <laughs> never again. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, unless some very experienced ultra runners and then they know that that's, that's going to be temporary. But you, in the very next day, started looking online. Usually it takes at least five days. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, I'm really um, like goal orientated. I am. Um, I think I, you know, you, we do what we do during the hours of nine to five to make ends meet and pay the bills, etc. But running is, um, I've come to learn that it's uh, my thing. It gives me that time and space. Um, and um, it's, you have a, there's a fantastic mental feeling that goes with running. Yeah. And if you marry that for me with um, huge, big, hairy, audacious goals, um, it gives me that balance and if i don't have that big hairy audacious goal on the horizon or near then um i start i start to struggle yeah um and my life is a bit out of balance um so i think it was physically i was i was a bit poked you know my legs hurt and um you know i had a few tight muscle groups um but there was definitely a sense of there's more in the tank um and for me, it was a case of you've got this base, your legs have come through okay. Yeah, they're going to hurt, but whose legs wouldn't after running 50 yeah, K and um, let's use that base as a launching pad for the next big hairy audacious goal. Mm. And um, the counsel or guidance from my, from my wife was find a 70 or an 80 K. She's a wise woman, this lady. <laughs> she is. She's yeah, very, very wise. Um, she's my CEO, my CFO, and everything else. But um, <laughs> did you ignore that? <laughs> no, she's a lovely lady. See, um, no, I, I did ignore it, and as I tend to do with some guidance, and um, I thought, no, let's go a hundred. Uh, let's lock it in, um, because there was nothing else on the horizon that was closer. Yeah. Yeah. And Taupo's on our doorstep, and um, yeah, it was on. Yeah. On. So Taupo 100K for people who are listening from overseas. So Taupo is a um, <coughs> beautiful part of the country in the North Island of New Zealand. And they have a 100K event there, which is, can be a muddy, muddy and hilly affair. So you signed up for that already straight after, straight out of the gates after Tarawira. Yep. Um, and what, what happened then? Uh, literally, I texted my brother-in-law and said, what are you doing on the 12th of October? Um, I have a deal for you. And um, I then he came back and said, yep, nothing. What do you got in mind? I said, oh, would you like to be my support crew for um, 100K? He's like, sure. It's a crazy idea, but let's do it. Um, when Shelley and Darcy woke up, I kind of very uh, casually dropped it in conversation. And um, yeah, it, you know, the, I gave myself a good few weeks to recover. Um, 
possibly from what I've learned from Neil subsequent after the hundred, possibly didn't give myself long enough to recover. Mm -hmm. um, which then um, is how I, I met you, Lisa. So, um, yes. yeah, so I started training and, and literally followed the same sort of process and build up that I've been doing for the 50, but obviously slightly longer distances for the hundred. Um, and um, yeah, I think it was around May or June of this year that I started to uh, realize that what had got me through the 50 wasn't necessarily going to get me through the hundred. And that's when I, yeah, yeah, that's when the world changed. And that's when you found us. Yeah. So, um, I was looking uh, <clears throat> for not only coaching, but a community that I could connect with. Um, cause I think when we run, we, we do a lot of this stuff in isolation. Mm. And, um, I think I w was looking for more than just a, a frequent, frequent contact with a coach. I wanted to understand how everyone else was doing their trials and tribulations, irrespective of distance and just share mm. that knowledge. And, um, yeah, I did my research and, um, I think you and I had a phone call mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, gave it a go and yeah, jumped on board boots and yeah. all. And yeah, so we were, we were stuck to have you on board and we've, we've now got this 100 K goal. And, um, you said, I think it's what's important is a lot of people, um, start out on their own and they, they, they do fine for, for a little while. <clears throat> Um, and then you start to either run into injuries or your goal gets bigger or you start to have troubles in some way, shape or form, maybe get a bit burnt out, maybe lose your motivation. And that's when people often come to us and say, oh, you know, I need a bit of structure. And it's, an, it's not like probably 90% of people who join us have hit the wall in some way <laughs> or yeah. have got a big, bigger, bigger, scarier goal that they know they need to take a little bit more seriously. So it's one or the other. Um, um, or they're just starting out. That's, that's another thing and they want some, some really good guidance and structure. So um, what was the main difference? Like when you came to Running Hot Coaching um, and jumped into our plans, what was the major difference that you found compared to, say, the spreadsheet off the internet? Yeah, so I think the, the catalyst for looking beyond uh, training in isolation on my own was I wanted a more rounded approach to the hundred i realized that i wasn't spending enough time on core strength for example mm. and um i also knew that my own knowledge and experience wasn't enough and that there were people out there who had years of experience and i'd be daft not to tap into that um so recognizing that i had my own limitations so from a knowledge perspective and and actually i the biggest thing for me is that um i was starting to get a sense that i wasn't um, approaching my long runs fresh. Yep. So I was going into the weekend quite fatigued and I wanted a more, I wanted to know if there was a, a, a way to balance training for a hundred so that you didn't feel, um, you know, shot all the time and fatigued. Yep. So that was the catalyst. And, um, and then the conversation with yourself and then actually working with Neil to un, unpick the hundred K plan. Um, I was like, wow, the, the longest run in the week, midweek, is actually shorter than my current longest yep. midweek run. So automatically I'm going to start feeling a little bit fresher. Yeah. And then I started, and actually the first core strength session I did, I probably couldn't walk proper for about a day or two. Um, I remember doing the lunges and I was like, Oh wow, I'm going to, yeah, this is, there's a reason why I'm doing this. <laughs> oh, that's classic. And then like that, that is a key thing. Like you don't know what, you don't sometimes realize how, 
week you've gotten to like when you run it's a catabolic exercise so it starts to eat your eat away at your muscles and so if you're not counteracting that with strength training and with uh also with your mobility and for, for different reasons um then over time you're going to get weaker and more flaccid in the in the, in the core for example um you'll have strong legs but that's what you know runners are going to have strong legs obviously but the rest of you will, will suffer from, um, and that's when things can come unstuck as well, especially if you're not 20 anymore, you know, yeah. and you, you need to um, start thinking about muscle mass loss, which is, which we sort of lose around 200 grams a year after the age of 40 on average, so they say. Um, so we want to be counteracting that as well, as the fact that you are in a catabolic sport that is actually eating away at you, and you want to be able to maintain so okay, you start into the strength program and think, oh, well, this is this is different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how 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 was it for you when the mileage? Like a lot of people think, okay, I've gone from fifty to hundred. I have to double the mileage. Doesn't work, no. like it, does it? Absolutely not. No. So um, the the leap from fifty to hundred um, was for me surprisingly manageable. Mm -hmm. um, working in within the hundred k plan that you guys gave me. So midweek run. Um, automatically shorter so there's some gains there um, and actually the the longest run um, was actually comparable to my 50k yeah um, and I think we added maybe another hour onto it just because I was questioning well if I'm going to take 15 or 14 hours then you know do I need to run a little bit longer than yeah. what I've been doing for 50 and yeah. Neil was like you know if you want to run a little bit longer that's okay but um, there right. isn't um, a one-size-fits-all you've got to just make it work for you yeah and, and, and this is a, the thing, it's like I've said to people sometimes when they think, how the hell am I going to double that and, and I'm not actually doubling the distance? And I, and I say to them, like, well, when I'm running, a, say, a 200K race or a 250K race, I don't double it again because you can't, double, you can't keep doubling the, your training distance to suit your <coughs> distance. And we've, we've come from, you know, most people have come from maybe a marathon um, distance training where, you know, from half marathon to marathon you are stepping up your mileage a lot more and your long run does get a lot bigger and you're doing sort of three quarters you know a 32 33k race uh run as your longest run before a marathon so people extrapolate that and think that that's what happens when you're doing a 200k and it isn't you can't you cannot physically recover from training that intense unless you're kipchoge or someone yeah in um, the full-time athlete um but generally you can't recover and that's where the, the wheels start to come off people if they start to try to do this high mileage. So we're not high mileage coaches. Um, and we get a lot of people coming to us who've come from high mileage coaches and that approach will work at the beginning and it will work when you're younger. Um, when you've got kids and careers and um, you're getting a little bit older, that approach starts to unravel. Um, if you're a lady, you can often start getting uh, hormone problems as well. Um, and for both sexes, adrenal exhaustion is on the horizon too. So those are things that we're always very aware of and we're trying to keep people from tipping over that. It's a very fine line <laughs> to walk sometimes. Um, okay, so walk us through the next uh, part of the process. Matt. So um, I think we're just on that around the longest run. So I um, training was going really well, um, you know, mobilization work, strength work, and then I got through what I term my apex weekend, the longest run weekend. Yep. Um, and I ran it as per the schedule. I maybe threw on half an hour for mental uh, confidence. And um, yeah, it was about 43K, I think, in total, five and a half hours in the hills. Yeah. And then um, that 
the following week um, is when um, it all came crashing down. Wheels fell off. <laughs> yeah, the wheels did come off. They did big time. Yeah, yeah. I um, you ran into an injury problem. I did. Um, I had basically an absolute um, awful pain sensation in my left ankle and uh, tendonitis. It turned out, and um, that yeah, that happened literally on the Wednesday after my long run. I could feel it, um, you know, in the sort of the Tuesday morning, and then I went for another run on the Wednesday, which I shouldn't have done. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, it was hurting like never, like no other pain I'd had before. So I knew something wasn't quite right. Um, and managed to get to see my, my awesome physio in Cambridge. And, um, and she said, yeah, you've got, um, some, some tendonitis. And, um, we basically worked up a plan where I would, and I, I think at that point, if I don't take it back a step, there was a, a day, I think it was a Thursday where <clears throat> I was sitting in my office in Cambridge and I was uh, literally in tears because I thought, yeah, how am I? how am I going to get right. to the start line, let alone the finish line? I put all this effort in and, um, you know, I spoke about the balance or the need to have balance in professional mm. life and personal life. Mm. Suddenly I could see the seesaw completely, you know, munted. Mm. Um, that's broken for our overseas friends. Um, and I, um, I was just like in bits because I, I thought I can't run. How the, what am I going to do? I can't walk this thing. So I think I flicked you guys a note and said, yeah. how do I taper? Yeah, um, what, what, you were in a mentally dark <clears throat> space, and you you reached out, and I could tell from the you know, you were asking about specifically about the the injury, I think, which was part of the thing. But the what, what where I jumped in was more in the the mental side of it because you were you were taking a deep dive. <laughs> yeah. So when you put your heart and soul into something massive, and then it starts to unravel, and then you're thinking, you're fearing not being because it's not long to the race now that you're not going to get there and every session that you're missing and this is a very you know normal thing to do um it still starts crashing down around your ears um so how did that so I, I jumped on a call with you and we started to work through some of the the mental stuff how did that help you yeah it was it was really interesting because I, I went straight to the physical side so how do I taper how do I still do these sessions um you know I've got an interval session tomorrow how do I run that with a an ankle that I can't <laughs> run on <laughs> and you were like, no, 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 no. Take a step back here. This is, you've, you, I think you actually said, um, you've got this, um, your legs, have got all the miles they need to do to do the hundred. Yes. It's now about the upstairs. How do you mentally, um, stay, stay in the fight, um, to get yourself to the start line and through the race. Um, and I was, I was actually quite taken aback about that because I thought, well, I'm missing all these sessions or I'm going to be missing all these sessions. Mm. Um, and I'm generally a fairly confident person, but I guess susceptible to, to blows from life as, as anyone is. They all are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I wasn't listening to you, I think at first, <laughs> and then you followed up in an email and it, I actually, it took me three or four attempts to reread what you'd written. And um, then we communicated um, over the next 48 hours and you said over the weekend, I want you to read um, a book if you can. Um, and the book, um, is, uh, the biology of belief yeah, by Dr. Bruce, Bruce Lipton. Lipton. Yeah. yeah. And it was a little too, um, um, it took me way beyond my, my school, <laughs> Very deep. Yeah. yeah, school level science around biology, but it was the last section that really knitted it all together, which is about how your perception and beliefs 
influence um, your physiology or can influence your physiology. Absolutely. And I think that's when the penny dropped for me that this is all about the mind going into these next three and a half weeks. Yep. And that's the key point because the situations happen, the injuries happen, bugger. Yep. But we've got, we can, we can, the, 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 the thing that you're going to do wrong is just keep training over that injury and to try and fight through it when you've got a race at the other end. So the panic is that I'm not going to be fit enough. When the reality is, if you, if you get through 70 to 80% of your total training miles, you're going to be fine. Mm. You know, and as a coach, you don't, you, you're trying to get your people over a bit more than that. But if something happens, you, you will get there. The, the best race I ever had in my life one of the most amazing races, put it that way, it was bloody hard, was that one that I did in the Himalayas, which I shared with you, that 222k race over the two highest mountain passes in, in the world, motorable passes. And I ripped the ligaments off my leg 10 weeks out from the race. So I couldn't run for seven weeks. And I had a hypoxic brain concussion from doing altitude training. So I didn't have enough oxygen in my body. So it caused all these infections and so on. Um, some of the listeners would have heard that story. But uh, when I, and I was either, I'm going to pull out or I'm going to carry on. And I decided I'm carrying on because I put in so much effort. As you know, the effort that goes into training for something like this, let alone the sponsorship, the film, the documentary, you know, the, the whole works, um, just meant that I couldn't just pull out. And so I had to try and face it with only a couple of weeks training at the end of that seven weeks of not being able to train on my foot. So I did cross training. I did what I could with my body and I spent the rest of that time on my mindset and when I got to the start line my body was actually in better shape than if I'd smashed it right to the end because I'd actually given my my body hadn't had a rest for years putting it you know mildly and so this actually was the best thing that could have happened in that respect and I did the 222k race mind you like a really hard tough long at altitude extremely dangerous race and and killed it you know wow it, yeah. was, it, was, it was dreadfully hard. I've got the documentary if anyone wants to watch it. Um, I'm slightly simplifying it. But the point was, you didn't need to do every one of those training sessions that you think you need to do. And when you don't have the choice, it's either you change your mindset to the whole thing and you stay on board with it and you battle or you give up and you pull out. You yes. know, those are yeah. your or you keep training and you injure yourself even more and then you might be out for six months, you know? Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing um, as human beings, we often, or oh, it's easy to do, is to, is to not learn from the mistakes as we go through life. You know, to the definition of madness is to repeat the same action and keep expecting the same or a different outcome, okay? Outcome. And, yeah, so, so I think, um, it, you know, when I spoke to you in that scenario that you described around that, that race, you said to me the one thing you did do was you asked your support crew and those around you on that day or leading up to the event and through it to be, 100% positive that you didn't want any negativity around yeah. you. Yeah, so um, when I was going through this over that weekend, um, I said to my wife, you know, do I pull out? She said, well, you can't because you, there's no point, but you've missed the withdrawal date. Yep. You know, you might as well just take each day as it comes, see where you are. We're going to go down. Everyone's booked in to come down and stay, etc. So let's just do it and just see what happens. Um, my wife is a Kiwi. She's, uh, her worldview is inherently positive. <laughs> I'm, I'm British and naturally cynical about most <laughs> things in life. So glass half full and glass half empty, we kind of marry each other out. But um, 
yeah so so i um i got through that weekend and i jumped in the pool and on the bike and i was having physio physio sessions and i wasn't running and um it was a really weird sensation weird in the sense i felt like i was getting behind yes um so that's when i i little things like you know i, I did that accountability mirror exercise mm -hmm. where um i took post-its and wrote down you know motivational statements or words um on a mirror and i took a wee picture and i don't know it's a silly little thing i did just to hold myself accountable going through the next three and a half weeks to do talpo and that is not silly that is really really good anything any positivity that you can surround yourself with is is yeah is, the mental game is everything in ultra it is it, totally and this is the the biggest you know you do these events in life and i've the one thing i've learned this time around is that it is all mental <laughs> it is a hundred i mean your body you know needs to be conditioned to a point yeah, but you need to be healthy and you need to yeah with it but the rest is in your head and um, I mean, I've seen athletes, you know, finish races that they shouldn't have been running because they weren't fit enough to do it, but mentally they were strong enough to get through it. We don't recommend doing that because you're going to screw your body in the long run. But it is about this up here. How much, yeah. how much pain can you suffer? How much can you overcome? How much, what's your why? And how big is that why? And how strong is that why? And yes. how much do you really, really want this? And then you will find ways around obstacles. Um, and, and I think, Having seen what I've seen in other athletes, I've seen people with incredibly bad injuries survive races. I've seen, um, you know, people who are blind run across the Sahara, and I've said this before, people with, with one leg run across Death Valley, and um, a whole bunch of people who carried kids who had cerebral palsies to give them you know, across the Marathon de Sables, you know? Um, wow. Incredible stories, people who really believed in um, saving the rhinoceroses and were dressed as a rhinoceros the entire time across the Sahara. Um, you know, absolutely crazy things that physically shouldn't be able to do, but they did. But because um, of their why and their purpose, they did. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They yeah. had a very, very strong why, and that has to be the, the ultimate. Okay, so you, you started to turn your mindset around. So this positivity and surrounding yourself with positive people and your wife telling you, 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 you know, you got this. We're starting. We're just starting. And that is the thing, get to the start line, start, see what happens. Yeah. And um, I think the biggest thing um, that happened along the way, I was training with a guy um, who lives in Auckland and we've done a few training runs together. And I sent him a text and said, oh, uh, you know, we'll start together, but we'll be finishing separately. I don't know if I'm going to finish in, in my current state. And he phoned me and um, he, he's a really happy-go-lucky guy positive outlook he said no no we will walk this out together if we have to wow and i thought wow okay that's that's pretty cool yeah. so Dude, yeah who's this guy give us his name give him a shout out johnny johnny denise yeah no he's a good guy um so yeah so johnny and i were, we ended up training separately over those last couple of weeks um and i was trying not to look at strava and you know get envy about long runs that he was putting in and good. i was in the pool in my in my speedos it wasn't good but anyway um yeah no so we, sorry go on it worked that's the it, thing it worked yeah so we got through the, through those last few weeks um um in the pool and on the bike you know having some fun on the mountain bike and actually it was really nice just to get out in the hills and just hoon around hmm. um and then i remembered actually coming down one a single track in in cambridge but I was actually doing a race the following weekend, so I should probably take it easy and not go too fast in case I came off. Um, 
but yeah, no. So I, I started um, just to test the run walk, um, literally the Monday before the race on the Saturday, wow. and that was the first time I'd got back on my feet. And it was a really tentative run walk, and then I did another one the next day, and then the final one I think was on the Wednesday, and um, no reactions wow. from the ankle. So I thought, yep, yeah, big phys- big mental hurdle cleared. Um, you know, we're locked in to do this, and we're going to do it. Awesome. And um, yeah, <laughs> and that's pretty like it's pretty ballsy to be fair. You know, like it is hard when you're facing 100k and you haven't been able to train for the last few weeks, and you're in the last final week, people, before the race, and you are like, can I even walk, run, walk, run a couple of k's, few k's? Yep. You know, and you're tentatively trying this out, and you're standing on the start line on Saturday morning at 100k. You know, that's, yeah, that takes a lot of mental strength. So well done. Thank it's, you. Didn't chuck it all in. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. And I think. At that point, even um, I think my physio had said to me, uh, you are doing this. You can do this. Um, no, you will break. You will not break anything in your ankle if you do this and it hurts. Wow. It's just it's not just ligaments, but it's, it's, but, yeah. just, tend- it's just tendons. Um, they will recover. And I think that hearing that actually, I was like, OK, so if my body hurts, it's going to have to live with it. And my mind is going to tell it. And that was the process I was going through. I think I spoke to you in the build up and you said to me that this could be the body's way of trying to tell your mind that this isn't a great thing to do. Let's just sit back and watch some Netflix on a Saturday. Yeah. So let's dive into that for a sec. The, in my experience, nearly every big race that I've done in the week before or two weeks before something goes wrong in my body. Like I get sick, I get a cold, I get the flu, I get something, some, something will play up. And I, and I, I, I think it's the subconscious. Mm. creating a reaction to the body because it knows that you've got this big race coming up and it's trying to stop you. Yeah. And it will throw everything at you to stop you. Yep. And, and that book I mentioned earlier, um, yeah. a lot of it was about using your conscious mind. So not drifting off into unconscious thinking, focusing on the now using your conscious mind. Um, and there's a lot more power, um, in in and potential in the using your conscious mind rather than the subconscious mind so if you play it forward then my subconscious was trying to tell me not to do the race because mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be tough it's going to hurt um but my conscious mind was going no you've got this you can do this it's going to hurt but it's going to be fine yeah <laughs> yeah we are doing this absolutely yeah yeah so we um got through that last week and um yeah headed off to Taupo. And um, it was uh, just a really interesting um, segue. The night before, Johnny and I, we got a big house and our families came down. And um, my, my mother and father-in-law, I love them to bits. And um, my father-in-law was chatting away with Johnny, who was really laid back. And Johnny was having a, just the odd beer, <laughs> one beer before the race. And I'm, I'm quite serious about my prep. I was yeah. you know, not yeah. talking to anyone. I was going through my mental checklist and mm. all that stuff. And my father-in-law said to me, Matt, why aren't you more like Johnny and lay back and relax? <laughs> I was just like, nah, we're all different. You know, everyone's got a little different, their own different ways of preparing. So, Absolutely. yeah, so. Um, There's nothing so, wrong with that, eh, by the way, because I mean, I'm no. just, don't, don't talk to me the night before. I'm, you know, I'm in the zone. You're in the zone. And, but there are people who are just totally chilled out and whatever happens, happens. And they're the different personality types and they shouldn't really yep. be compared because everyone has their own way of preparing for such a battle because it is going into a big battle. Really. Yeah. And I think physically, 
I'd appreciated the difference prior to this race that around ultras and running and athletes, you know, we all come from different shapes and walks of life, but mentally as well, I was seeing some really interesting sides of people and um, athletes. So yeah. So um, yeah, Johnny and I were up the next day about um, I think four o'clock mm-hmm. um, got to the start line half five. It was absolutely freezing in Taupo. Yeah. And um, I actually, I've never done this before, but I fell asleep again in the car Wow. on the way to the start line it was about a 40 minute journey but for me it was a sign of just how relaxed i was and whatever was going to unfold was going to unfold but it was going to do so in a way that was going to have a positive outcome i was i was quite relaxed about it um which was really bizarre so Amazing tune around to the, the tears three weeks before and the, the oh chalk and cheese yeah chalk and cheese yeah i um yeah, so, so we got going and um, Johnny had forgotten his, his headlight as usual. So um, I let us out and um, I said to Johnny, look, we're going to run, run what I call 15s, which is you run 10 minutes and maybe walk four or five minutes. And I think I said to Johnny, that's going to be the pattern for me throughout the race. And he was like, yep, sweet. I'll run with you. We'll walk this together. You just set the pace. You, you be Mr. Timekeeper and we go. Um, so we, um, we started off. And I was running really comfortably. Um, I think we ran the first 20 miles. Um, you know, I don't know, around about f- just under four hours wow. or something. Yeah. Um, and at one point, we were, Johnny was leading and, and we were running up a hill. Then we were running down a hill. And he said, oh, I probably ran that a bit hard. I was like, yep. <laughs> so, um, but we were trying not to get too excited and carried away with ourselves. Um, yeah. So we got to that first checkpoint, all good. And then um, I think it, it started to hit home around the you know, you, you get into the race and we were running um, this sort of 15 thing where you run 10 and walk five. And I had this little checklist in my head where I'd come up with um, four things to think about on a rotation deliberately so that I could um, focus on the now using my conscious mind, if that yes, made yes, sense. Yep. Keep on. Yep. Keep on yeah. Run. So I'd, I'd ran through this little cycle where I'd go, um, you know, what's my effort? Am I running comfortably? Am I running too fast or too slow? Check. Um, my nutrition, um, you know, have I eaten in the last half an hour? Have I taken some water in or fuel? That's called association. I call that association where you're associating and you're actually checking in with your body. Yeah. And then there's another strategy, which is disassociation when you're in pain that you actually go off into your happy place. It might be visualizing me swimming with whales or something like that, that I'm in somewhere else or I'm renovating my house or I'm doing something like that. I'm taking my mind somewhere else. Um, so these two strategies are really, really good to yeah. build into your practice. So carry so on. So now I know that I was doing the disassociation thing around the 80K mark. Aha, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, yeah, so I was, and the other thing I deliberately, I was checking, you know, am I in touch with my environment? Can I feel with my feet and in whatever my body, the physical environment, just to make sure that I was using my conscious mind. And I would go through this little checklist again every 20 minutes or so. Um, and so we got through the, the first 20 miles. It felt quite, quite quickly. Um, and we hit the farmland, which is a really monotonous um, physical environment, yeah. uh, more walking or hiking than it is running. And it's not fun. It's not inspiring. But we got through that, hit the first um, major aid station. I think it was around the 50K mark. Um, and I said to Johnny, um, I'm now running into territory, unknown territory from a distance yep. perspective. Yep. Even though I've technically run longer time on feet, this is going to be 
your you. ground. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about the different approaches, Johnny and I. Um, Johnny got to that big A station and he had a white bait fritter. Um, and I was like, no, I cannot oh, stand that stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so I, as, as we left the A station, my wife said, how are you feeling? And I said, honey, I'm really suffering. Um, she said, well, you're halfway. This is all upstairs now. Yeah. Um, I see you at the next, see you at 75K or whatever it was. I was like, holy moly. So here we go. Um, so it literally felt like I was stepping off an area called comfort and known um, into the unknown and uncomfortable. And this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. And this is where growth happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and we were running together, but we were always about, I don't know, three or four meters apart um, just because mm -hmm. that's how you find yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I got to about 65K in Kinlock or something like that. And I said, I was crying behind my glasses, my sunglasses, because um, I was going through this dark patch where I was like, I'll, if I stop, I'm going to stop and I'm going to let all these people down and I will have this sense of underachievement. Huge pressure. Yeah, for hanging around my neck. And um, as we approached one of the mini A stations, I said to Johnny, oh, you run on now. I'm, um, I'm close to DNFing. I'm going to work through this. He said, no, no, no. Uh, we are, we're going to walk this out if we have to together. Wow. He's a dude. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a really good dude. So, um, so then our run at that point became a shuffle and, um, you know, you're tired, you're physically tired. You can't run at that same pace. So we're still running, but it was just a, a shuffle. And, um, yeah, Johnny dragged us into the, um, into the Kinlock aid station where we picked up our pacer. Um, and my wife's friend who's training for coast, mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Hannah. So she, um, she signed up to be our pacer and, um, yeah, my, um, my wife took a video. She, um, she asked me a question and she was videoing the response at the, at the 74 K line and she, a station. Sorry. And she said, how do you feel? And I said, um, expletive tired. <laughs> and, um, she said, Oh, um, do you want to do a, another hundred or run 160 after this? And there were a few more expletives that followed. <laughs> And, um, she, uh, she's kept the video and I've, it's a nice reminder, but, um, <laughs> so then we, we, yeah, we, uh, Johnny had another white bait fritter and I was just like, my God, he's going to suffer cool. in a minute. And, cool. um, yeah, so we hit the hill behind Kinlock and off we went. And, um, that's, I think when the disassociation came in for me, cause my, my body was really hurt and I, my feet were really broken, like blisters, toenails, just yeah. feet were sliding all over the place in my shoes. And, um, it got through Kinlock with a reduced shuffle. And then I think we popped out around the 90 K mark um, and in, into the, off the hill. And I think that's when I, I finally felt that yeah. I was going to do this awesome. or finish it. Yeah. Such a good feeling when you think, yeah, I've got this now. Eh? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we are, our, our pacer was really good. She, you know, was checking in and, if you're pacing someone that you've, you, you know, haven't done that sort of distance with, it's, you've got to find your rhythm. Um, and um, when we got to that last aid station, I think, you know, 8K to go or whatever it was, um, that's when we all thought, yeah, this is, this, we're on the home stretch here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And cross the finish line and um, yeah, happy days. Come back, like, like you've been in the, in the hurt locker for a good 30K, so 25Ks or something, which is an awful long time, by the way. 
And, and yeah. it, like, I always say to people, the race doesn't really start till 70, 75 usually. That's when you know whether you paced yourself right, whether you hydrated right, whether your nutrition was right up until that point. And there's always going to be a time in those big, long races. And that can last for hours when you're absolutely miserable and you just want to die every second and give up. And if you can get through that, sometimes what happens is, or very often, is you come into another space where suddenly it's all good again. You don't know how or why, but your body sort of comes back. Did you experience that? Yeah, I think, so I took, I spoke about in that 60K mark, you know, where I was close to DNFing. And, you know, when Johnny said to me, um, no, we're going to walk this out if we have to. So let's just keep going. Um, I think I, what I now understand a little bit more about, I was going through a battle with my body and mind. Mm. When my body was going, now nah, let's just stop. You know, there's an aid station there. Shelly can come pick you up. We go home. Um, and my mind was like, no, no, you, you were going to do this. And it was, it was like there's a little, little war going on between the two. Totally. Yeah. And um, I call them the angel and the devil or the lion and the snake. Yeah. And louder and it gets more and more frantic up there. Eh? And I, I'd, I'd heard about it from, from you and others around um, there, in that war, your, your mind is telling your body, no, we're going to do this. Mm. So just shut up. <laughs> and and just live with the pain and um that pain that i was experiencing physically actually reached a point and it didn't go any further it mm-hmm. just settled it dissipated and um and then i got into a happy happy place where i thought yeah I, i've got a shuffle going on i'm not going to run this full bore full bore i can't but i'm moving forward and i'm getting closer to the next day station and we're going to pick up hannah you know 74k and then we're going to do the same from there up and over Kinlock. Um, and even with my feet, you know, like going through that, um, I found a way to keep moving. It was almost as if the blisters, they were just blisters. They were going to go away. Toenails yeah. grow back. Yeah. And that's how I kind of quickly processed it. Um, but it was just keep, even if you have to walk up the hill, oh, yeah. walk up the hill. Yeah. Walking's fine. Cool. Um, so yeah, we got to, you know, from the 60 through to Kinlock, which is at 74. Um, and I think I mentally was, um, getting into a happy state, you know, like I, my body had, um, quietened down it, the pain had kind of reached a point, but hadn't got worse. And mentally I was, um, I was over, you know, picking up the pace at 74 was a significant milestone. Um, and we were, I think I could see the end, uh, you know, it was, we were close and it was just a case of getting through it. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was still trying to bring myself back to the now going through my little checklist I mentioned earlier. Um, and it was a way of just kind of putting into a little box, the different p- pains or feelings I was, you know, experiencing yeah, you know, yeah. discomfort around my feet, discomfort around my legs, you know, it got worse or sorry, it got bad, but it wasn't going to get any worse. It's quite funny on that point, um, Matt. Um, yeah. When the body starts to scream at you, it's a bit like when it does pre-race, you know, when it throws it, you know, a sickness at you or the cold or some, something that try and stop you doing it. It also does it in a race where you're getting to the point where you like the pain is so bad. You're thinking, how the hell am I going to carry on? And then when you do persevere, once again, the brain seems to go, oh, well, she's not stopping. We've got to keep going. So I better stop putting those signals out. I don't know how it works. Um, Yeah. And it would be interesting to see if other athletes have experienced the same thing, but it doesn't actually get 
any worse than bad. It's already bad, but yeah. it keep getting worse. Which is yeah, and um, you know, it's and I don't know whether it was a combination of uh, you know mental fortitude or whatever word you want to use, or we'd reached a significant milestone. So getting up and over Kinlock Hill was huge because at 80 and 90k, there's two little aid stations, and hitting the aid, the aid station at 90k, as soon as you turn the corner after the aid station, it was like a wall of noise from the finish area had oh. made its way up to up you could hear it and it was like wow we are so close so any it was like another wave had just picked you up and was going to carry you down this this freaking mountain um and you know you could just at that point we were kind of walking shuffling and it was in the dark and it was quite wet so you probably didn't have any other choice to be honest um and um it was just, you know, you could feel the end. So we just made our way down the mountain. Um, and we were joking amongst the you know, three of us, you know, Pace and Johnny, about, you know, what we we're going to have to eat. Um, what was our favourite post-race meal? Just really silly crap that was just <laughs> getting us through the finish to the finish. Um, and, um, yeah, so, the, so yeah, we, we, we hit that last... Um, it's like a sty that you've got to climb over yep. and it's like a physical barrier where you're leaving the trails to a four wheel drive tack that literally throws you out of the finish line and climbed over that sty and it was just, we've done it. You know, we're almost there. Um, and you can see, you know, you can see that you can hear the people and you can feel that you're getting there and you can yeah. light at the end of the tunnel after a very dark, long tunnel. <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was funny. It's like wow, um, you know, you, you crossed the line. We crossed the line together. Um, I had a big of a bit of a hug, and um, uh, you know, like we've. I think it was a realization for me that wow, we we've just done this, and um, it's a huge achievement um, yes. personally. Yeah, it is. it is a huge achievement. What did you feel at the finish line? Because some sometimes in some races, I've felt like you know I've just broken down in tears, absolutely with relief. And I can actually stop because you dream about being able to stop. And other times there's just no emotion because you're just like numb. You're so yeah. exhausted that beyond anything. What was uh, your reaction? So um, what I didn't um, uh, mention is that on that way up and over Kinlock Hill towards the 80 and 90K stations, I I was going through a real roller coaster of emotion, you know, just mm. trying to get to that final aid station when I'd, I w was on the home stretch. I was um, really struggling to hold back the tears um, and Johnny was in front of me. My pacer was behind me. So they had no idea what my facial expression was. <laughs> but so, so I thought, and I actually, Johnny, Johnny and I said, look, there's going to be some tears at the finish line. Hannah, pacer, um, be prepared. So we crossed the finish line and my overwhelming feeling was um, we've done it, job done. And um, yeah, it was just satisfaction. I think it was. There were there were no tears at the finish line because no. I think that emotion had passed. Yeah, and um, I think it was just sheer bloody relief. Yeah, relief. It's <laughs> a good the, one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I to keep going. <laughs> and I think it was excitement of now being able to eat real food like yeah. chips or dip or pizza or just something other than um, you know a Horrible. gel or you know the yeah. equivalent paleo equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All of that yeah. horrible stuff that you're sick to death of by then and you're trying to get yeah. enough energy in. 
it's so it's really really interesting the emotions that you go through i um um i did a 100k race with neil you know my my offsider at running hot coaching and it was his first 100 and i and i mentioned this before but he got you know he's a he's a strong tough man but at 70k's he was in tears like he was mm. in so much pain and he couldn't see his way to the finish line you know when you get into that deep dark space of absolute despair and it also and i cry pretty much in every race you know um there's, there's, I don't think there's ever been an ultra where I haven't pulled my eyes out somewhere. It's just part of the thing. And what, what happens is that when you get, when you have given everything out of your body, you are so raw and you're so emotional. Like everything is, like any little thing can set you off. I remember oh, running, totally, running yeah. along, I was in Death Valley and I was like 180 Ks in or something into Death Valley, which is 270 Ks, 17 Ks. And I was in such a world of pain and, and there was a 60 kilometer straight road that was just blowing my mind. And Neil was running behind me and he accidentally hit my ankle when he, you know, he was running just, just a couple of steps behind and he hit my ankle and he tripped me up. And that adrenaline rush of being tripped and falling just opened the floodgates of the emotions like, cause I was holding it together desperately and when i fell and the adrenaline came out i was just bawling for the next hour still running <laughs> but bawling my eyes out and just could not control myself you know um and he was like mortified that he'd done this and he, they swapped people who were, who were crowing for me and it wasn't wasn't about him it just that I, I, it, that shock of falling just released everything that you're holding on so tightly to um and it, it's a this ultra marathon and doing something like this huge achievement that you've just done is really uh it's life squeezed into a a 15 hour or 13 hour or whatever it was time frame it's yeah every emotion that you can possibly feel yeah you will in in a, in a human lifetime you can you know you could just go through a roller coaster of emotions um and i think for me that you know, from 60K through to sort of 80, 85, when we crossed that last aid station, um, that was probably mentally quite tough, mm. you know, just to keep moving one step after another. Um, and then you, it was just sheer, utter relief. Um, yeah, <laughs> job done. Yeah. yeah. So now you've done, you're, you're, a, you're in the 100K club. You're an ultra marathon runner. Now done. You've done a few fifties already, and this is your first hundred. How are you feeling? You're three weeks out. Have you? What, what, what often happens with runners, and I won't preempt that with you, but ha, did you go through a bit of a elation stage, and then a oh down the other side stage, and a bit of a depression before you started coming out the other end? Are you still in that roller coaster of a post race situation? How are you feeling now? Yeah. We lost you there for a second. Are you there? Are you there, Matt? Yep, yep. yep back. Yep. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> it went, went on a pause. Sorry about that, people. So, yeah, did you, what are you going through now emotionally? So, I, um, I think uh, I, I probably relaxed too quickly post race. Um, I, um, it's my wife's 40th birthday uh, a couple of days after. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
you know that new that normal discipline around diet and and hydration um <laughs> probably relaxed a bit too quickly and i i suffered that first week um not only with like aching niggles and blistered feet but i had a a really heavy bad nasty cold so my immune system was absolutely smashed from the race yeah. i think yes, and just my body going i think you know thank god that's over yeah. um but I, I started walking, um, you know, day on the Monday. Um, so I had Sunday off, started walking and then walk running again by Wednesday just to keep the body moving. And I got through the cold and um, I'm back running, but I've, I've seen some advice in the group around from Neil around, you know, try and keep that long run to no more than an hour um, in your yep. first month. Um, I had a chat with Neil um, actually around... Um, you know, what is my recovery looking like? And I wanted to, um, I, th I, sw I swore during the race, I would never do this. <laughs> but um, I started to look at what next and I actually, I'm getting itchy feet around um, a miler, so 160k. So, um, but it's not for, it's not for, because um, Northburn really appeals to me yeah. from a sheer uh, physical challenge. Um, I don't think I'll go back to Tarawira and do the 100 or the 160 because the yeah. environment's similar to Taupo. Yeah. Um, so I'm drawn to really challenging races, physically challenging, uh, like really gnarly, mountainous, hilly type races. So Northburn North really appeals to me. Yeah. yeah so that's a 2021 goal, I think. Um, I want to, somebody said to me the other day, take some time to smell the roses. Yes. Um, and um, I'm just going to enjoy running and yeah. just mountain biking and having fun but my body's coming right um yeah i um i'm just gonna still run absolutely but i just, I just want to run for the enjoyment of it at the moment <laughs> for, my, for my two senses is um when when after a race you you often do um have an immune system because you have knocked the hell out of your immune system really you've you've used up or every a lot of your hormones like your endorphins your serotonin so you can go into a, a depression dip about usually 10 days out, seven to 10 days out is when you usually have a bit of a mental dip. You can be on a high for a couple of days straight after the race because you're, you're sore, you're tired, but you're so stoked with yourself and you're on this adrenaline. Your body's been in a fight or flight state during that race. And so it's still in that fight or flight state often for a good couple of days. And then you start to come down from it. And that's when you can start to get sick. And you're also usually ravenously hungry at this time. So you, yeah. you just pigging out like no tomorrow um and your body is actually goes into a repair state after you know a couple of days and you come down and often that can be quite a rocky road for people not always but it is number one you've lost the big goal that you had mm -hmm. you know then that is now achieved and done and you there's a bit of an empty space in your life and then you're, you're also, a, you've had a bit of a trauma. You've gone through some trauma. So there's some post-traumatic sort of stuff going on. Some, you're still working through what the hell was that that I just experienced, especially when you do overseas races and you're out of your actual cultural environment on top of it all. Um, and then after 10 days, you might start to come out of that, that sort of a dip, which often happens. And then is when your mind starts to go, what next? Because you've got a big hole and you sort of need something to be aiming towards again. Yeah. And the thing is, um, in this phase, is it's great to have, and I'm glad you said 2021, because that means that you're being like sensible and, and you're going to let your body get over this experience and then build yourself up again 
Um, and you'll have some other races, no doubt, along the way that will build you towards Northburn uh, 2021. And, and Northburn is a brutal, tough 100 miler. Like, if you, if, if you wanted an easy 100 miler, that ain't it. You know, that, I mean, <laughs> not that there is any easy 100 miler because 100 miles is 100 miles, but that one is a particularly tough, tough, tough one. Um, yeah. But super exciting and an amazing event. Really lovely family. I was co-founder of that race and, and loved it. And I sold it last year to the guys, Terry and Tom. And, and um, they, they've done a fantastic job with it. Um, and it's really a special a special event. And it's a small family event as opposed to a big tarawira or yeah. a So it's a lot more, less corporate feel. It's a lot more yep. intimate. Um, and yeah. I also think for me that I want to, um, like life is so precious. I want to, I want to spend time um, being present as well mm. and not just getting lost, chasing massive goals all the time. Um, oh, I you're think, so yeah. You're yeah. so wise. Like honestly, <laughs> like honestly, there are a lot of people go into the space cause I've seen it like, you know, after having trained so many people and gone through this process with so many people, you get two camps, you get the ones who say, I never ever want to do that to myself again. And then they're gone out of, out of it. Um, hopefully, if you've prepared people well, they don't actually fall off completely. But often they need a, a really decent break. Or you get other ones who go, they're totally lost without the next huge thing. And I and I fell into that camp for many many years on this hamster wheel of having to do events because I didn't know what the hell else to do with myself if I wasn't completely. This was my identity, and it was very tied up with who I was and and my self-esteem and my confidence and so when like three years ago and I actually retired from the the long stuff because my mum and but it was overdue it was overdue to have a break you know at least a break if not you know um, permanently because I was just in this hamster wheel of of trying to outdo myself all the time and you can't you, you know there comes a point where you can't do more than you did you know, you can't keep topping it, mm. and keep trying, and you're just blowing yourself out completely. And you're not allowing yourself that recovery time in between. Um, and I can even see it in some of the top, top elite, you know, famous, super crazy uh, ultra runners out there that I'm friends with, who are still doing it as they're getting older and older and older in their late 50s and 60s, but they're, they, they aren't, they, they're, obsessive you know and they're um they're not as healthy as they could be if they actually took a step back now and went i'm going to take some time out for a year or two and just reassess where my body's at and it's very hard to do that to step away for a while because you know that to get back to that level like if i <coughs> want to go out now and do 100k or something i couldn't go and just do it because i haven't been trained yeah yeah and to get back there would be, in your mind, the hard part is when you've done so many, is that you expect yourself still to be there, even when you are not there. And yeah. that's a really hard one for people coming back from injuries, for older runners, people who have retired and then want to come back out. or you know, that, To get, um, I've got a lady at the moment who's um, been struggling with a really bad um, illness and was comparing herself to how she was two or three years ago as to how she is now and rebuilding and keeping and being very disappointed in herself because she still thinks she's back there instead of going starting from scratch again and moving forward and what was is gone 
and not comparing yourself to who you used to be. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think, um, you know, when I did coast 10 years ago, coast yep. coast, um, I started and stopped very abruptly the whole endurance multi-sport journey. And mm-hmm. it took a few years to reconnect with running. Um, I don't want to stop running, but I, there's no way I could do Well, I probably could, but uh, I would just, I wouldn't be best prepared. Do you know what I mean? An yeah, ultra. You wouldn't be the best husband and you wouldn't be the best father and you yes. wouldn't be the best person you are at work, you know? So it, these things, um, and this is what I try to get across too is for people is that when you take on these massive goals, you are sacrificing some other part of your life. And it's, it's um, and that's fine if that's what you've decided you're going to do, but to understand the impact that is going to have on your husband or wife, or your children, what impact, you know, for positive and for negative, it can, but if you're doing it back to back to back to back, it can actually have a negative effect on your family and your friends on. Yes. And yeah. so, so it's weighing all that sort of stuff up and understanding where, where is my focus going now? Um, and it, it's something I battle with constantly because part of me wants to go back and do all that crazy stuff right now when I have other priorities yep. and that's just life. Yeah. And sometimes it's very hard to, to um, not get down on yourself and feel guilty because you're not doing everything, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and life's important. You've got to enjoy it as you go through it. And if, yeah, yeah I don't know. That's, so I, I, yeah, I finished and I'm happy, but I'm actually at peace now with the fact that next year is, there's some smaller races, but um, the big one is me potentially in 2021. Yeah. And you've done this one and, and what your friend said, um, celebrate and smell the roses. That, yeah. is, that is a fantastic principle to take away. And it's something that someone told me at the end of a big race uh, when I just went, oh, what, you know, I wasn't as fast as so-and-so and I didn't, you know, that's a better, longer race. And they went, for goodness sake, you know, after I just run a massive <laughs> race, and they just said, you know, can, I, can you not just s- congratulate yourself, celebrate your wins, yes. integrate it into your psyche and who you are? before you go chasing the next goal. Yeah. So actually take this 100K Taupo run and put it in your heart and go, I freaking did that. And I'm a legend for doing that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck, suck this one dry before I go and chase the next big goal. Oh, totally. Yeah, so I think, um, um, I think with the, uh, the English getting to the Rugby World Cup final, Yes. I think I'm going to have a little beer or two this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well deserved. And didn't they play well? You have they did. Them. They were awesome. They were absolutely amazing. Um, and, and hats off to our guys too. You know, you, you can't always be. No, no. can't always yeah. be the winner. So, hey, Matt, thank you very much for sharing your story. I hope this has empowered lots of other people listening to this. I hope it's made you think, maybe I can do it if Matt can do it. Um, and to understand the journey that you go through and that it isn't all, you know, roses. It is difficult along the way, but that you can overcome. Any final words that you'd want to, if you were talking to you two years ago, what, what bit of advice would you give, Matt? Um, if you believe in yourself and believe in others around you um, and, um, oh, yeah, just... If you want something, go after it and, and um, no, no distance, no goal is, is too big, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Life is, you get one lap in life and you've got to make the most of it. Amen to that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate the opportunity. 
No, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's wonderful to have you in our Running Hot Coaching Tribe. And if anyone else wants to join us, of course, we'd love to um, have you come and join us and check us out. I'm sure Matt will agree. It's been a, um, a good journey with, with having a bit of structure to your training and having some goals and someone to to ask questions to and to make sure that you're, you're doing things right. Um, so, Matt, congratulations once again on your huge success and your massive victory. Um, and we'll talk to you again soon, no doubt. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 